Greetings, lads and ladies. It's time once again for Retronauts, the podcast that brings you sweet memories of your youth. Retronauts. This is Retronauts Live. Retronauts Live! Yeah, Retronauts, Retronauts yeah. is dead. I don't know if you heard. <laughs> no, it's live they, they now. It. <laughs> the zombie Retronauts. Except I'm really sick of zombies. So Everyone this is not... Is. This is apparently not because people keep making video mm-hmm. games about zombies. No, they'll, they'll make people it keep so buying video well games past, about zombies. Well past the, the expiration date. I hope. I hope that Dead Island kills zombie games forever. I hope it's just terrible and yeah. people swear it off. You, you know? mean you mean Dead Slam? We should we should send people the uh, PR announcements for that game to make them hate the game yeah the aubrey norris oh emails. my goodness i don't I, know who I, that lady is yeah. but but when she sends me emails that i'd never asked for i get so angry is uh, aubrey a, a guy or a girl it's a, a girl. girl yeah i uh i i actually have a filter not a woman email. a girl i have a filter for her email address to put her emails into my spam and now that we've alienated potential advertisers <laughs> let's carry on with our <laughs> podcast hi everyone i'm uh the host of retronauts live Jeremy Parrish, and with me here, a fine gallery of fine gentlemen to talk about fine video games of the past. Hi, this is Frank Svaldi. You're seeming very uh, tentative today, Frank. Where's <laughs> How your you confidence? Doing? Yeah, Retronauts yeah, Live. Right. Get that Italian in there. Retronauts Live. Right, very good. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Christian Nutt, Features Director of Gama Sutra. Hi, Fran. <laughs> is that which which Fran is that? It's my boyfriend. Oh, okay. Oh. Hi, this is Chris Kohler, the uh, editor of GameLife at Wired.com. Hi, Christian's boyfriend. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I already introduced myself. So let's just roll on into this merry, merry episode. Uh, this this uh, past Monday, uh, March 21st, I believe, was mm-hmm. marked the 10th anniversary of the launch of the Game Boy Advance in Japan. And even though I said we're going to take some time away from Nintendo products with this <laughs> show, I-, I feel that we would be terrible humans if we didn't go back and look at the anniversary of the Game Boy Advance because it was a great system and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that all of us have strong fond memories of the system mm-hmm. so yes 10 years ago where were you Chris Kohler I know you have anecdotes well, Jeremy Parrish thank you so much for asking as it happened uh, when they launched the Game Boy Advance in Japan I had just moved to Japan and I had uh, my first system launch in Japan was that of the Wonder Swan Color but I was significantly that wasn't more excited a real about system Game launch. Boy Advance nah, no, so your first memory of Game Boy Advance is being pelted with systems and batteries by little children calling you Gaijin uh, something Gaijin-san. like that yes go yeah, away yeah, yeah. go back yeah. to your country doing you, little yeah. you smelly American taunting me with dances mm-hmm. no 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 no, they were actually, I did live in the sticks of Japan, so we were actually kind of exotic. Like in Tokyo, there's just, you know, there's foreigners yeah. all over the Everyone place. Everyone speaks English there. For us, they just come and they and they look at you and they ask you questions. Look, kids, not adults. And then the little adults. kids do the thing where they stick their fingers up your butt. They, I didn't get any fingers in my butt. Hmm. Um, that's a, that's You're doing it wrong. I'm not going to say it's you a You missed the Japan Clearly. experience. Clearly. <laughs> you didn't um, really teach in Japan, did you? I shouldn't, it's I shouldn't all have lie. been playing so many video no, games. No, he wasn't a jet. He was, he was on Fulbright. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. So right. he didn't have to deal with smelly children. Right. Uh, teacher, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think it's just a matter of uh, statistics. You know, you're playing the odds. You teach a class full of 30 kids. One of them, one of them might... is like, buttocks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just never ran into that one kid out of 30 because I didn't Five really to seven percent of them are like them. that, actually. So I got down to the store. Thirty-eight <laughs> percent of statistics are, are made up by Christian. Uh, um, so uh, I got down to the store and I got there really early before it opened because I was like, "I'm in Japan. In Japan, they line up outside the stores for video game systems." No such thing happened. This was out in the sticks. Like that, nobody cared. I mean, people just people just pre-ordered their systems. What kind uh, of what kind yeah. of store? Was I'm, it? Was I'm, it assuming like a that, store? I'm assuming was, that when no, you went was... to when you went to pick up your Game Boy Advance, there were just a lot of people. Like with straw hats, leaning on a fence, chewing on some straw. Yeah. They're like, yep, <laughs> there the goes the foreigner yeah. picking up him fancy game system. I yep. Yeah, basically. Except awesome. in Japanese. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. 
Um, I was I was sort of in it. It wasn't the, the sticks is a bit much. I was in sort of a maybe like Japan's like Seattle. It was like the seventh biggest city in Japan. That's um, not really the sticks, but it was not still, at all. It kind of is actually. Uh, well, you're in the suburbs. If you're, if you're comparing it yeah. to Seattle. What? If you're comparing it to Seattle, that is not the sticks. Basically, he just Seattle. said he lived in Kirkland. When you Kirkland, think about, yeah, and now it's, it's the sticks. It's tough to it's tough to say. It was definitely it was a city. Like it was a the suburb of, of Dallas, maybe. Right, but in any in any case, uh, I got uh, the Game Boy Advance, and I got Castlevania: Circle of the Moon, and I got Mario Advance, which I was really excited about because I saw the screenshots and it no, had thank it, you. it had giant robotic birdos and that like giant like I thought. Until I started playing the game, that it was a sequel to Super Mario Brothers Two, because they showed all these mm. new features, and it was just a port that they had done a little bit, tiny bit of tweaking to. Either way, I was fine with that, and I think those were the only two games. You that also I got, that first got day. a case of ice strain. Yeah, no, okay. So the the dorms, the student dorms that I was living in, we had these desks, and they had reading lights, um, big, nice fluorescent reading lights that were installed above the desks like inside this desk unit so it's shown directly onto the desk so actually i had very little trouble playing my game boy advance because i had a massive light to play it by all the time but even with that light castlevania circle of the moon was fucking impossible to play oh well even if you played on like a ds light yeah it's still it's just all it's really unbalanced yeah well you know that's the real problem The color is unbalanced also well, sure, there's that, but I mean, the gameplay itself is also not also very true. Well designed. But yeah, I mean, I was super pumped. Like it was my first Nintendo launch in Japan, and um, and now I really feel old. Cause anyway, because it seems uh, like yesterday. It's four o'clock, and uh, we're five minutes into the show. And uh, as usual, Chris Kohler's the only one who's talked. So we're going to uh, <laughs> open up. Like we're going to open true. up the phone lines and let people say things to us. All right, so Jeremy's getting up. He's picking up the handset. He's turning the ringer on. He's hanging up the handset. We'll get the first and call. And now we're like going to listen seconds. for a ring. We're going to listen for that ring. That ring is coming. That <sighs> ring will be here any moment. Put a ring well, on people it. People will be calling in to Retronauts Live. If you, there. If you love that podcast, trying, put a no, very hard it. to get through to Retronauts nope. Live. I think something's wrong. I think that people <laughs> have finally become bored with this. Okay. Well, that's cool. Tina, take a picture of us looking bored. Mm-hmm. Tina, no can calling. you call, can you call Retronauts live? Oh, we got a first oh, call. Listen. We have a phone call. Right. Action right. shot. Action shot. Our first. Oh yeah, yeah. Look at me with stretching my arms. It's amazing. Hi, welcome to Retronauts. This is your host Jeremy Parrish. Who's this? Hey, this is Brad calling from Massachusetts. Hello, Brad from Massachusetts. Hi, Why are you calling today? I'm calling because I run a blog called Game Boy Playerland. Oh, so perhaps you have a vested interest in today's topic, which is Game Boy Advance. Correct. And as such, I wanted to actually bring up the Game Boy Player accessory for the GameCube. Okay, do that. (laughs) Well, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, I think it's uh, fantastic. It was awesome. We were just just talking about how the Game Boy Advance screen was initially kind of hard to see. Mm -hmm. The Game Boy Player was... um, a really good solution for it, which would have been even better if it had come a little sooner because it came out about the same time as the GBASP. Yeah. But um, it, it was right. cool because uh, they came out right around when Ari of Sorrow did, or before it anyway, and I made it that No, made it was that before wonder- that. Yeah, but it made it wonderful to play Ari of Sorrow on it. Oh, uh, actually, was... my, my memories are all kind of a little bit muddled because um, I, uh, I was really into Game Boy Advance and I really wanted to be able to see what I was playing, so I actually got one of those... Uh, Japanese conversion kits. Adobansu. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They would. It would. It was basically something you uh, bolted into your Game Boy and like hooked up the wires, and it would output uh, your Game Boy Advance directly to a television. And you know, uh, it oh, was yeah, not yeah. The, the the visual quality was not up to that of the Game Boy Player, but since it came like a year before Game Boy Player, mm-hmm. it was really great. And I remember getting that around the time Metroid Fusion came out, which was really oh. good timing because then I could play the game yep. on on television and not have to like stare and wonder what was shooting me because i couldn't see it i was psyched about the game boy player and i i played uh zelda uh link to the past on it and mm-hmm. um i remember i had just finished up like a marathon like you know i don't know three or four or five hours you know sitting there playing it i had to go and meet my friends and i had a long train ride in front of me and i remember thinking ah oh, crap i have a long train ride in front of me and now i have to stop playing this game Wait a goddamn minute. This is a portable game. It's a Game Boy game. Like I, I, I played on the Game Boy Player and just completely forgot that I was playing a portable game. You know, my, my first Game Boy Advance was the Game Boy Player. Damn. I went right That's for like it. That's like me. My I first Game like Boy was the Game Boy, too? Super Game Boy. So yours yours was too, Caller? Yeah. My, well, well, yeah. I mean, 
if you don't count the Game Boy or the game, uh, the Super Game Boy. Well, we're talking about Game Boy Advance game, here. Correct. Yeah, exactly. The game, for, as far as Game Boy Advance goes, my Game Boy Player was actually my first Game Boy Advance. Yep. And in many ways, I almost don't even think back to the Game Boy Advance as being a portable. You know, I just think of it as a console in a as way. As a retro it was, style it was, console. It was basically yeah. just um, Super NES Part 2 for you. Yep. Like you kind of exactly. rolled out of the 16 bit era, did that that ugly flirtation with 64 bit, and then you were back in the comforting confines of 16 bit, well, 32 bit sprites. <laughs> so I bought a GameCube and a Game Boy Player to play WarioWare. That's weird. No, not really. <laughs> it was awesome. No, actually, I also needed an excuse to get a new console. And actually, uh, WarioWare is one of the best games for, like, the original WarioWare is one of the best games yeah, for the system, oh yeah, if absolutely. not the best game for the system. So yeah. it's not that it's weird, I guess, from a perspective of quality. It's just... I just I, I think of that as, like, yeah. a very portable game. Even when yeah, I yeah, had the Game yeah. Boy Player and the whatever it was called. I wanted uh, that game. I didn't want a Game Boy Advance. Oh, okay. There you there go. You go. So I wanted you got an to pretend you had to get a new game. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, the Game Boy Player. Good good start for this discussion. We're going to move along to the next guy, but thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I say guy, but it could be a yeah. girl that calls. Probably not. We got one. Can we turn off? We the got boop, a. Boop? No, we can't. Oh no. We got we the one girl we got was one that we'd met before. Right. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for calling Retronauts. There's a party in your background. I know. Yeah. Can what's going on? Can you like step into a closet to call us? Uh, pretty close. Okay. Hey, Jeremy. Hi. Who uh, is this? Uh, this is Nathan in Newport News, Virginia. I had a question for you. Uh, who's your panel today? Oh, it's uh, Frank Cifaldi, Christian Nutt, and uh, Chris what, uh, Chris Kohler. Yeah. <laughs> That's the uh, ticket. Hi. So so what is your question uh, about Game Boy Advance, not about the show itself? Because that's too meta. My question is the uh, is who is or what is your secret that's your secret best GBA RPGs of all time. Secret best GBA RPGs. Why secret ones? Why not just the best ones? Because you, Shane Benton. Uh, yeah, Shane Benthausen. His ghost yeah, still lingers. Dude. Yeah, uh, I know. I know about secret bests. I live with Shane for fuck's sake. Right. <laughs> some some memes just won't die. Um, I, you guys answer first. Uh, oh, Frank, do you care about RPGs? Sort of. Um, Final Fantasy V. There you go. That's good. I, I love Final Fantasy V. I don't I think that's a secret, that's not, yeah, that's not a secret best. Nothing is the secret best Game Boy Advance RPG. Uh, uh, Fantasy Star 2. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's close. <laughs> well, okay, okay, there no, you the go. Poor, I, was, I'm I, was, gonna, I remember I'm, being disappointed with that compilation. I'm it, going it to go with something that was, was good. I'm going to go with something that was actually designed for Game Boy Advance and not just a port of a 16-bit game from 10 years before. If and you say Golden Sun, I will leap over this table. No, that game can go to hell. No, Mega Man Battle Network 2. It was really, really... But, you know, before that series just ran off the rails and became a boring pile of crap, it was really interesting, a really, really mm. cool kind of uh, side take on the whole Mega Man concept. Like, it took Mega Man elements and then turned it into this really interesting battle-oriented action mm. RPG with kind of a collection element, but not as obsessive as Pokemon. No, I'd agree completely, um, actually. That's a, that's probably my response as well, Mega yeah, Man Battle Network. The story was god-awfully stupid, but but the combat was so fun that I just didn't care. And then, like, they with put, the third game, the, the story became so stupid I couldn't keep playing it. Didn't but, they put Toasty Frog in that game? You know, I don't think that was actually a real Toasty Frog reference, which is a shame. Really? I thought there was a frog, and then if you, like, talked to it, 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 it said he's something said, about... He's saying, I'm, uh, why are you putting me in the sun? Are you trying to toast me? But That's totally I, a Toasty I Frog asked, reference. I asked Alexander O. Smith about that, and mm -hmm. he was like, huh? <laughs> he, he was the guy who uh, localized it. So, so right. caller, do you have a response to your own question? I thought maybe one of the Tactics Ogre games, uh, the Tactics Ogre game that was released for the GBA. Oh, Night of Lotus? Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. Compared to the real Tactics Ogre, that one's kind of a, I don't know. It's kind of like the the cousin whose parents were related before they got married. Like it's it's a little uh, a little bit brain dead. I'm actually thinking back and and I'm trying to think of like Atlas games on the GBA. That oh, Riviera. Good. That that was exactly what my next question was going to be. Is what about a great Atlas game? Because Atlas done amazing things like with. Uh, Radiant Historia and everything on the DS. Yeah, right. they were yeah. a little bit weaker on that. I mean, they had a lot of games that weren't their own that they brought over. Like they did the Shining uh, Soul. Shining, yeah, they did Shining Souls Shining and Soul. also Shining Force: uh, The Black Dragon. And, and they, but I mean, I feel the, like the most interesting stuff that Atlas did on Game Boy Advance was uh, the Sting RPGs, yeah. uh, Yggdra Union, and Riviera: The Promised Land. I, I really like Riviera. That was one of those that no one had any expectations for, and it turned out to be really unique and very cool uh, if you actually gave it a try. 
kind of a a cross between a like a, a visual novel, a graphical adventure, and an RPG. Like sort of RPG ish in the sense of ogre battle, actually. So yeah, it looks yeah. very ogre battle to me. Yeah. I never ended up playing it really. And that that's available on uh, PSP now. They remade it for PSP, and it's really easy to find. So uh, anyone who hasn't played that should check it out. But I'm still going with Mega Man Battle Network too. Well, all right. Personally, thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. I'm so distracted by Frank's copy of uh, Replay magazine you that should, I brought in. You're distracted by that chunk of styrofoam. You're, I, doing, I, you're doing a Tim Schafer where you're not paying attention to the podcast. You're just playing with I'm things. Play, oh, is that it's a does? phone. I'm, I will. I gotta. I gotta make sure that they're serious about it. Sometimes they drop after a single call. Hi, who are you? Hi, I'm Dan Fight. Oh, Dan, Dan Fight. Fight. Hi, you Hi, again. Dan Fight. What's Hi. up, Dan Fight? Oh, not much. Just a nice morning here in Japan. What's up, dude? How's it going, man? Uh, this is Chris. Yes. Hi, Chris. Hello. Here from you. So, what's your question, Dan Fight? Yeah, let's talk about some Game oh. Boy Advance, not about about Dan Fight. Yes, I, I, I'm uh, all for that. Uh, well, I, I guess I wanted to make sure that uh, the Castlevania franchise got brought up because uh, there were three. Well, one really good and two bad. pretty good. Mm-hmm. One bad, one uh, mediocre. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been brought up uh, twice now, I think. But we never this really talked about time. it. Let's do. Let's let's yeah. do it. We've been yeah. dancing around it. We've been flirting so, with it. So yeah. So let's the, the first game was Castlevania: Circle of the Moon, which was developed by the same people behind Castlevania Legends, which was the really terrible Game Boy uh, Castlevania game. And, and sadly, then, it's sort of the last. In, in a weird, wasn't it? Kissy Kobe? It was. Yeah. So it was sort of, in a uh, ironic sort of twist, it's the last Castlevania really developed by Kissy Kobe, which was actually the studio that originated Castlevania. But, but is not, they'd lost the plot. And yeah, probably, oh, yeah, like, hell yeah. I, I doubt there were any people involved in Circle of the Moon who actually were involved with the... Uh, I know, it's just kind of a sad, whimpering end of their, sort of the people it who is. originated it. I don't know. But I think uh, KCET was, wasn't it KCET who did... Uh, Symphony Night was KCET, and that was, you know, the Egovania yeah. swept the wave at that point. Um, So, yeah, I understand. I just was being uh, fetishistically detailed. Sure, sure, sure. Because it's Retronauts. No, no, that's fine. And and Circle of the Moon is, like, it's an interesting game, but I just don't feel that it's actually, it holds up at all. At the time, it was just mind-blowing because it was like playing a Genesis game on a handheld, except not a a Nomad handheld. It was, you know, (laughs) an actual handheld designed to be handheld. I remember being really disappointed with the level design, I felt like, compared to Symphony of the Night, the level design was really weak. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And stuff. The game balance is a disaster. I got got kind of in... Because I remember it really, like, blew Che's mind when it came out and he hadn't played Symphony Night and Che and I got in the kind of uh, the, all the kind of nasty arguments that you can only get in with Che yeah weird, sort of where weird. he's like so passive aggressive right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um the the I remember when um, Dawn of Sorrow came out Che was like oh that looks stupid I've played too many Castlevanias that are like that I'm like no but this is really good yeah whatever but, but anyway, uh, and yeah. then and then I remember being you know really excited for Harmony and Dissonance because it was you know that was a really an Egovania. It was right. like sort of more of the direct lineage. It was you know right. of and it had the Yami Kojima artwork and blah blah blah. And I bought but I, the I, level design for that was even worse. Yeah, I like, imported it. Everything about the game is good except well the music's not so good. But the level design is just no, it's confusing it's, and disaster. Yeah, it's mm. it's it's a really overcomplicated game that's not really that good in retrospect. Like I tried to replay, so I imported the Japanese version. And I like mm-hmm. went crazy playing the Japanese yep. version, completely beat it to death, and yep. then I. The U.S. version came out, and I thought, oh, I love this. I'll play it again. And then I'm like, oh, my God, it wasn't good. The one the one thing that makes me happy about that game, I you know, I, I imported it, too. I was like, yeah, Castlevania, oh, boy. And uh, played all the way through the import version and, and even figured out how to get the stupid best ending, which was just incredibly obtuse and annoying. But the at the very end, you start fighting these uh, skeletons with whips, and they look like Simon Belmont. And if you look at their name, it's Shimon. Uh, like she, you know, death and uh, moan mm. for gate. Mm. So that's also the how you pronounce Simon in Japanese is Shimon. And I thought that was very that's clever. Really, and I was yeah, like, oh, is that, what, the, is that what Michael Jackson was saying? Yeah, Shimon! Oh, right. <laughs> Shimon Belmont! I, w- I want to say one good thing about Castlevania Circle of the Moon, because we've already kind of disparaged it enough. There was one great moment that I remember, is that as soon as you get the, um, the item that lets you jump really high or that lets you jump infinitely high and, and lets you finally get into, like, the upper, upper sections of mm-hmm. the castle or whatever, and you're and you're feeling really powerful and you're like jumping and you're like you know bursting through shit you go up 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 finally into like this upper level that you can finally get to 
and Vampire Killer, the music kicks mm-hmm. in. And I just remember thinking when that music kicked in, I Shit felt just so gets powerful. Real. It was yeah. like, yeah, you know, that was the only like really good <laughs> that feeling. Was, I had that was that back game. when Vampire Killer actually had some cachet, and that whole trick hadn't mm. been used over and over yeah. again and all the games. Yeah, basically. Now there were some really good moments in Circle of the Moon, but the problem with it is just that everything was so random. Like it had that card system. And all the drops for the cards were random. All the items you can get, there were no shops. So if you wanted health potions and stuff, which you really needed to survive because the enemies just took so many hits at the end, uh, like you had to wait and, and get random, you know, just farm for random drops for potions. It, was it very, just it sucked was a, the fun out. It was a launch game and it was an incredibly ambitious launch game and it's got a lot of flaws. It was the most amazing portable game I played at that point in, you know, in, in that kind of action milieu, but it, it's just it not, really aged like, badly yeah, right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dan, what do you think? Uh, well, for me, Circle of the Moon kind of ruined it because I felt like my character was just too small. It was almost like I was like a child running around a giant house. <laughs> it was like Home Alone. No, I, I don't mind that. Like, I actually like having a small character because then you get more of a sense of context for what you're doing. And, and considering that the resolution on GBA was pretty small, I think it was good to have kind of a tiny character so you didn't feel... You know, like when you when you have when you look back at old Game Boy games and you have these sprites that are half the size of the screen, like in Metroid uh, Return of Samus, mm-hmm. it just it's it's really hard to play when you have any kind of uh, athleticism because you jump and your jump will actually take you out of the area you can see when you start your jump, and you're like, oh, I just hit enemies that I couldn't see when I started my jump. That sucks. So I like not having that. I, I appreciated the fact that they avoided that, but from a, I mean, from a scale perspective, just like I felt small. I felt like it took me too long to get places. Like everything just felt too large. Yeah, I agree. I, like, I would okay. go back to the bad level enough. design. Yeah. I would, because uh, I remember the level designs. It seemed like there was one room that was just like they tried to make it like a complete zigzag. You know what I mean? Was so, it the Was it the room with the gears? And I the... can't remember exactly what it looked like at this point. We're talking a long time ago, but I remember thinking that like you know they used every possible square of like of wall <laughs> to make it as you know long as possible right. to just make you navigate. And I just remember Harmony going. Of Dissonance did a lot of that too. There were a yeah. lot of places where you had to like spend 10 minutes on one screen moving up and down and around and around. All right, folks, we're 12 minutes and two callers in. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk about RF Sorrow, which was awesome. Yeah, (laughs) RF Sorrow was, like, finally. Because it was, like, I mean, Symphony Night was obviously just like a lot of people. It was one of my favorite games ever. So I felt like, all I want to say about it is, you know, RF Sorrow was, like, finally. Right, they they finally finally recaptured. Got back to that Right, not just the good game balance, the um, really interesting game system, but also really good level designs. Uh, Everything good, came together. Good, yeah, personality flow, as well. Because like the whole, mm-hmm. you know, like Juice Belmont and all that crap in the second one didn't really set the world on fire right. either. So, yeah. but like, so like you know, the, the whole the Soma story was like very cool, and they just sort of recaptured the spirit. And I played it on GBA Player, as I said to the other caller, and, and that just sort of was like such a that was a legitimate game experience up on like a high level. Yeah. for me. unfortunately, that was um, kind of like the high point for Castlevania. And it's all been slowly downhill, and then it's actually a bell curve. It's gone downhill faster and faster. The further uh, yeah, Donasaro is great though. Yeah, it is. But then after that, anyway, thanks for calling, Dan. Thanks, we're Dan. moving along. So while we're waiting for the next caller, uh, very briefly, as someone who's only played Dawn of Sorrow, should I go back to any of the GBA? Oh, Aria of Sorrow. Aria. Is, if you yeah, love Dawn, I, I, Aria is arguably better than Dawn. It's, okay. It's, I mean, it's, technologically, it's shorter and smaller, it's, so it's kind of got less fluff in a certain way. Yeah. Obviously, it doesn't look as good. Yeah. Yep. But okay. yeah, I mean, aside yeah. from the technology, like, the game design is really great. All Very right. tight. I will do it. And it doesn't have the pentacle scratching. Yeah, oh, I don't like that. Only that one, though. Hello. Thanks for calling. Welcome to Retronauts. Who is this? This is the Crazy Kirby Kid, short for... Or KKK. Crazy Kirby Kid. I hope one of those Pretty is spelled with a C. It's yeah, crazy I spelled with a C, it right? Yeah. I'll okay. Say that for now, yeah. What is your What is your Game Boy Advance related comment for today? I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit. And not Kirby? Oh yeah. <laughs> no, not the Kirby games this time. I guess he's not as crazy as we thought. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 would you like to say about Mario Kart Super Circuit? I have my opinions about that, but I'll wait and let you speak well, first. I really... I really appreciate that game for two reasons, and one is that they kind of kept the coins in from the original Mario Kart, and I think coins are a very important part for a competitive Mario Kart game because uh, to utilize the coins and get that max top speed, you have to know different paths around the course and eventually sort of master a whole bunch of different racing lines as opposed to just mastering that one. Yeah, that's true enough. What else? And the other reason is the battle mode. I really like the battle mode. And it's something that I know a lot of people haven't experienced because you needed all the link cables and not a lot of people had four copies of the same game. But I managed to pull it off with my friends and it's a lot of fun. Okay. Guys, what do you think? 
I like that game. I no, I agree. I when when I went back and I played it and there were coins, I was like, oh, there's coins. There's coins. Yeah, again. I thought this it was interesting, interesting that they they really went back to the Super NES style of the game because at that point, you know, yeah, there only been there had only been Mario. two Mario Karts. There was Mario Kart Super Mario Kart and then there was Mario Kart 64. So I was never a 64 direction, fan. So I was happy I liked, they went back. I like the dynamism of of in six, the N64 games tracks. Like having dimensionality to the tracks made a huge difference for me. And I was really disappointed that they went back to the Mode 7 style, which was understandable because which, you know, you know GBA, Advance was not exactly right. I mean, they were smart to go back to the Super NES style, but but I felt like the tracks were a lot less exciting as a result. And like the Rainbow Road, that Mm -hmm. really started the tradition of Rainbow Road just being god awfully boring. (laughs) It just won't stop. I'm sick of driving on a rainbow. Mm -hmm. How could you ever get sick of driving on a rainbow? So I actually, this (laughs) is is probably heretical, but I actually kind of liked uh, Konami Crazy Racers better than Mario Kart Super Circuit. Mm. Really? I got to play as a Moai head. I mean, even uh, if the game wasn't as good, good, I still yeah, got to play as a Moai head. That's good stuff. And it's hard to argue against that. Super Circuit was great because uh, there really wasn't a whole lot on the Game Boy. I mean, that was that was there like was crazy racers after the Game Boy. Yeah, after the Game Boy mm-hmm. launch, you know, kind of doldrums hit. You know, it was kind of like Mario Kart Super Circuit came along, and that was when Game Boy Advance releases really started to pick up. Um, and so that was really but nice that was when like, it came out to that give was like, something to do. That was like two months after the U.S. launch. I mean, there was really no doldrums for the, the UBA compared to, I also say, played a lot of F-Zero. Yeah? Oh, yeah, that yeah, was a launch game. I've never really F-Zero. been into F-Zero. They made a lot of F-Zero games on the Game Boy. Yeah, they made so many that one of them didn't... Three. There's one that didn't come out here, I think, even. Wasn't was that based that, on the anime? Yeah. Well, no, one of the ones based on the anime. There was one based on the anime that came out here and one that didn't. Anime. Yeah, there was one that just sold like two copies in Japan. Like they killed F Zero. Yeah. So weird. Um, but I remember being very excited at launch for F Zero, and so <laughs> like when Mario Kart came out, I played it for a little while, but I wasn't quite so. I don't know. Did, I was, you, try I, to, did I, you try to pretend it was F Zero? No, I'm not really. I'm not really a Mario Kart guy, actually. Not yeah, a I'm huge not one. So. Uh, I, I'm not really a racing guy. Guys. So if I race, I want to like be able to throw a turtle shell at people or something. All right. Hey, well, anyway, thanks, thanks for calling. No problem. Thanks. I just Mario. hate Mario. No, you probably I do. Don't, I don't. But know. he gives us such good traffic. I love Mario. If we mention Mario, like that's we're the most popular site on the internet. Yep, it's crazy. Well, People... someone just gave up. There was one ring. And then no, there's... there's the ghost dad haunting the lines whenever we hang up. <laughs> Bill Cosby wants to know what we think. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, right. No, no. All right. I saw it in the theater. Cosby died. <laughs> no, Bill Cosby's not dead. What? Actually, tell I him. Saw... Tell him, caller. Tell him that Bill Cosby's not dead. Bill Cosby is not dead. Thank See? you. Who is this? I also saw you, Ghost you, Dad you in the know, theater. You know, you know things. Who are you? I am Josh from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. That is the best name for a city ever. Saskatoon. Wow. So what, what <laughs> birth brings you? Of, uh, Joni Mitchell. Are you disappointed <laughs> that the name of the country is so boring compared to the town and the province? <laughs> <laughs> what brings you to our podcast today, Calling Long Distance, as you are? I was going to give some praise for uh, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, if you guys haven't talked about what? that yet. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what? Okay. I, I, I know you guys don't like it, and I know that it's not nearly as good as Tactics uh, for the PS1, or it's not good as uh, Fire Emblem also on the Game Boy Advance. Or Tactics A2 on uh, DS. I actually haven't got through that one yet. It's on oh, okay. the list. But... Uh, when I, when I started playing it, I had just started high school, and it was the first strategy RPG that I actually played. And uh, so I, I found it a very good introduction to this uh, genre in general. And so I always found that it was a one more battle, one more battle situation when I was playing the game, and I okay, really I, enjoyed it. I, I will give you that. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance is a really good introduction to tactical RPGs, strategy RPGs. But, yeah. you know, for people who had played Final Fantasy Tactics, which maybe wasn't the target audience, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it was about it, a bunch it, it of was, children. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, the you, GBA you, you, really was kind of oriented toward kids. If you look at a lot of games on GBA, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overgeneralizing, think about it for a second, but it seems to me that was one of those systems where, where that kind of thing happened. Like, you know, where they sort of did the, the, the new kitty, new audience version yeah. of certain things. Well, I think that's the case with Nintendo systems in general. Yeah. People are like, well, it's a Nintendo version, so let's make it for six-year-olds. But yeah, I don't know. As someone who had played oh, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics several times, um, I I could not get into Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I mean, I played like fifty hours of it, but by that point, like I had never encountered anything that was even remotely challenging. I just steamrolled that game, and I wasn't even trying. Like there are ways to break yeah. that game over your knee and shatter it into little pieces, but I didn't even know about those. I was just you know kind of playing. 
the game is ridiculously easy uh, to begin with, and of course you can break it. Uh, almost as bad as tactics, not quite as bad as tactics. Tactics you have but, to work harder at, though. You have to really understand the system for tactics to, to really, really just destroy that game. That's the thing that uh, kind of appeals about the strategy RPG genre in general, though, is that uh, you can break almost every game in the series, and it's kind of about that sometimes. And Final Fantasy Tactics Advance made it very easy to do that. So mm-hmm. newer players who hadn't play, gone into the genre a lot, they could make a paladin with two Excaliburs. Uh, did you do the juggler thing? And, um, no, I did not. Oh, okay, because uh, I think that's like considered the ultimate game-breaking thing when you have the juggler in your party who can basically make anyone go first and you just basically bounce characters up to the top of the queue, the action queue, and, and don't even let the enemies move. Yeah, yeah time, uh, turn manipulation was very broken in that game. But mm. uh, has anyone else gone back and played it uh, since then? I know that obviously you, Jeremy, uh, don't like it still. Well, actually, uh, I, I played like 10 hours of it when it first came out and said, mm, yeah. maybe I'll come back to it. And then I finally went back to it like two or three years ago. And that's when I played more in depth. And I got to the, you know, to mm-hmm. the, like, the end of the game and said, yeah. I am just not feeling any motivation to keep going. So I'm going to play something else. I do okay. have a I do have a Final Fantasy Tactics Advance story because it was the launch title for the Game Boy Advance SP came out on the same oh, day. Right. Oh yeah, there was and, a limited uh, edition okay. system, right? Yeah. Uh, Were you still in Japan sold, when that I came was out? I was still in Japan. It was only sold at Seven Elevens. It was a pearl white colored <laughs> Game Boy Advance SP bundled with Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. And, and had like a very a, nice big box. And for a, it. Uh, yeah, with a box and everything. And did you buy uh, that? So actually, you bought that one? Yeah, I bought that one because I needed an SP and I wanted to buy that game. So right. what the hell? And I went down to Seven Eleven and I pre-ordered it. Seven uh, Elevens are like everywhere in Japan. They sell everything, right? And it came with a poster that I still have that was um, a Final Fantasy XII judge riding a chocobo. Um, and this was oh, the first This was the first piece of Final Fantasy XII art that had ever been released. Um, but they okay. didn't actually call it that at the time. They right, they did that. I mean, there. they did that with that, with Ten Two. They had that, you know, I remember there was that poster of Gunslinger Yuna that they released at, I think... At Tokyo Game Show. Yeah, yeah, and it was, yeah, Tokyo Game Show. And it was like, we're not going to say why we released this poster of Gunslinger Yuna, but here it is. Yeah, right, exactly. Just enjoy the hot pants. Actually, you know, you want to hear a funny story about GBASP? I bought mine from Ryan O'Donnell because he worked at the EB in the mall in Southern California (laughs) when when it came out. Did you know each other? Yeah, well, the thing is, like, I know this is kind of embarrassing, I guess, for Ryan. Sorry, Ryan. But, like, Ryan was, like, friends with my friends, and and this is when I worked at GameSpy. And uh, and he was like the really smart, interesting, fun gamer guy who worked at EB. Who was right. probably too he, smart to work was, at EB. Yeah, you know those, what I mean? There, there's always one of those at like uh, you know one random EB or Babbage's or whatever. There's like the guy who is really really into games and knows a lot and is way too awesome to be working there. But he makes shopping there so good. Yeah. So I bought. I actually bought my GBA SP from Ryan O'Donnell. Hmm. Uh, those regular, just blue one. All right. Good story. Good call. Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. Frank is bored, so we're going to drop you down. <laughs> and Christian, you are absolutely right. Uh, his his country should change its name to like Shamalama Ding Dong, so we can be from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Shamalama Ding Dong. Who do we write to? That's to racist. That Canada. <laughs> All right, Frank. We'll make sure this next caller is someone who who asks a question that you like. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Retronauts. Please ask a question that Frank Cifaldi finds suitably awesome. That's me. Hey, how you doing? This is Tony from Dayton. Hi, Hi Tony. Tony. What's your awesome question or comment? I was going to ask if you had any recommendations for import Game Boy Advance games, like from Japan or Europe. Francis. Ooh, I do. I have a really is good recommendation Kuru, 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 from, from Europe. No, it's not. A European one. And I actually, so, this is a fun story, too. Go, go, Beckham. Has anybody ever played that? Oh, it's, that's like it's, the soccer RPG starring David Beckham, right? Exactly. It's not a, no, 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 it's not. Well, it oh, no, that was, back, that was like Soccer <clears throat> Island or something. No, 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 yeah. So, so go, go, Beckham <laughs> is a heavily influenced by Yoshi's Island 2D platformer that was released only in the European market. Basically, this company called Rage that used to exist but no longer exists got the Beckham license, and it was apparently such a free, li- like, free in terms of they didn't have to get approval for everything, that they could just pump out Beckham games. And they were like, well, we have the license. We have this developer, Denki, if anyone's familiar with Denki. They made Denki Blocks, which came out in America, mm-hmm. which is actually a fun puzzle game for GBA. I recommend checking out Denki Blocks, which is also, I believe, on iOS now. If you can, it's fun. But Denki, they're like, Denki, you guys are like crazy into Nintendo-type style games. Why don't you make a platform with David Beckham? So it's got this super cute, like, Koji Kondo wannabe music, like, Yoshi's Island wannabe backgrounds. You kick soccer balls at enemies, platformer. And I, um, the other fun thing about that is I walked all over London with Kevin Gifford looking for a copy of it, and I finally found it. And so, huh, that's awesome. Wow, wow that's a recommendation. I was, I was going to say from Europe, Kuro Kuro Kuroden, which is, um, 
I mean, that was a Japanese game, but it was only released in English in Europe. But eh, that's kind of boring. Compared I have to a Go -Go way Beckham. more boring recommendation. Yeah, do it. Go on. The first uh, Rhythm Tengoku. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, oh no, that's say. not boring. That's yeah. awesome. It's a good, yeah. That but game's so much better than uh, the DS one. It's, no, it's way better. They're, they're comparable. It's way better. It's so much better. Mm. But uh, very, very good game. Still, you could you could play it just fine, without. Being you get to use the A it. button. You don't have to do those meticulous swipes yeah, on the screen. I guess that's true. The songs was, are awesome, and they they released it in the arcade too. I played it in the arcade. When I didn't it was know TGS. That. Uh, was it two years ago? Maybe. Maybe it was last year. I don't know. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's like you have these two big buttons basically, and it has all the games from the uh, GBA game, but they. Wow. They're like in the arcade, and you can really get into it because you know it's, it's very rhythm oriented. Did you ever play Clonoa Clo 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 Heroes? The the, the yeah, action it's not RPG. that good, isn't it? Because no. I was talking to uh, Nick Devar, and he it's super likes it. super simplistic. Okay. I I love Clonoa, but I thought Clonoa Heroes was kind of okay. Rare. So that's an anti recommendation from Jeremy. Mm, yeah. Um, uh, I in think terms what, of what Japanese games I have that are like not available in America, I really this is probably just me, but I really enjoyed Elevator Action Old and New, developed by MediaKite. Hmm. It was um. It was kind of like a super cutesy elevator action game that took a few elements from Elevator Action Returns, but I always wanted uh, to get it. Much, I never got much it. Much more simplistic. I really enjoyed that. I played like all the way through it. It had a bunch of levels, and I mm. cleared the game with both or all three characters. Were there uh, Technos uh, Kunyokun compilations in Japan were. on the GBA? Did they come out yeah. here though? Didn't some of them come out here? Not some the compilations. There were some compilations that yeah. came out in Japan. Um, there I was also about those. Uh, Hudson. Did yeah, the Hudson compilations. Well. So you can get all the Adventure Island games on one yeah, Game Boy cartridge, which is way better deal in the fucking Famicom mini yeah, like 30 I, bucks for an NES oh, I owned those Hudson compilations and then like a year after the Game Boy Advance went away I realized that I could sell them for like 100 bucks each so that's what I did Yeah, the yeah. Famicom mini I mean it's, a lot of those games came out as NES classics here mm -hmm. but it is worth mentioning that the packaging of the Japanese Famicom minis were so, so hot better. that it's, it's worth buying like one and yeah. actually yeah a lot of them there were some you, games that only came out in Japan yeah right? and uh, you're right the packaging is so good and, and they're really not that expensive anymore especially mm -hmm. now that you can get a lot of those games on virtual console the, the cost of those mm. games has come down you can go into ebay and get some of those famicom mini games for like 20 to 30 bucks uh, so only get that want, like, only get that to like collect them though don't, yeah don't get that as your playing experience yeah, yeah. But for if you, any of them but if you buy one of them you should check out the packaging you know because it, yeah. it is really, it really cool gorgeous. they come yeah, in little it, tiny boxes that if you're, are perfect replicas. if you're really serious about it uh in japan they released like a special collector's box yep. for for yes. the mini games and that'll uh, run you some money obviously. yeah but if, i mean if you're really serious about having an awesome import collection that is like the centerpiece of any any collection mm -hmm. it's a really, really super nice retro package. like love fest yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. there's three of those boxes because there were three oh, yeah, of yeah. Famicom there were mini. three sets of ten one two there? there was there was yeah there was two cartridge ones and one disc system one mm -hmm. and the cartridge and the real cool thing is that for all the disc system famicom minis the cartridge is yellow oh. because disc system yep. discs were yellow so it's just yes the kind of japanese attention to detail that we never really get especially from nintendo in the west and also mother three oh yeah, yeah. but uh Boy, we buy, should just have our buy own the show game, about that. Yeah. Buy the game and then download the ROM and patch it to play in English. And that way you can feel good about piracy because, you know, it's, well, it's, not it's a good game really you need to play. piracy it. at that point. But if you find a new copy of Mother 3 to buy like where the money shipping. still goes to Nintendo, like that's going to be an yeah. achievement in and of itself. I think <laughs> right. you might as well yeah. just download the ROM. There Except don't that. do it because it's evil. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're, we think it's bad, so be good, be good. All right, thank you, caller. All right, thanks. Last night, uh, I think it was last night, we didn't uh, let that guy talk at all. My, uh, he asked a question. He asked a question, yeah. Frank. That's true. We Fran, want to take, we're out of time, but we want to take one more question. Okay, I just want to put, Fran said he wished he could erase his memory and replay Mother 3 from the start again. Me too. That's, that that's a, a recommendation. Wow. Yeah. Greetings. Welcome to Retronauts. You're our final caller this, this episode. You've won the prize, so what can we do for you? Wow, uh, I was not expecting that at all. Well, there's no um, prize. Well, surprise! Uh -oh. It's your lucky day. Wow. Don't get anything, not even a crappy old GBA game. You get to be anyway. on the show. Well, that's pretty great. So who is um, this? Oh, my name is Nate, and I'm Nate. from Rochester, New York. Hi, Nate. Hi, Nate. I think you've called before, haven't you? No, actually, I haven't. Oh, you haven't? It was some other guy no, from New I York. I had. Nate, Nate, have you been I to the... about the Famicom disc system. <laughs> have, um, you, have you been to the Strong Museum of Play since you live by it? Yes. Okay. It's fantastic. Is it, it's is, it, is it as good as it looks? Um, well, actually, no, I haven't been to there recently, but I did go when they had Videotopia there, and that was pretty sweet. Uh, we went all the time. I also have a really serious I question. I get these these uh, chicken wings in Boston called Rochester wings, which are delicious and have this like, mustardy <laughs> sauce in them. Are those, re do they really have those like in Rochester, New York? Because that's what they say. 
Well, actually, it's more like a Buffalo thing. Okay. But, mm-hmm. uh, but, but you know, Rochester and Buffalo are kind of like sister cities, you know what I mean? Yeah. I see. So, like Minneapolis well, and St. Paul, but further east. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, yeah. thanks it, for calling. No, okay, well, well, <laughs> What's your question? Let's do something GBA-related, okay. and then we'll hang up on you. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I, I have one real one I want to back up, just in case. Okay. So here's the real one. Um. Now, when, when the GBA first came out, um, you, my friends, were all excited, saying, oh, my God, it's like a Super Nintendo in your hands. How accurate is that statement, really? Mm. Are you talking Ooh. about in terms of hardware? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, in yeah, terms yeah, of the like chip? Because the, the, the GBA and the, the Super NES really didn't have that much in common at no. all. I mean, the GBA ran on a, right. an ARM chip, which is, you know, like part of that microprocessor family that's designed specifically for portable devices. It didn't have the really amazing okay. Sony DSP sound chip. No, it sure didn't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it definitely didn't. Go play Final <laughs> Fantasy VI Advance and cry a little bit. Um, as far as I know, it didn't really have the the extensibility of of the uh, Super NES with the the special chips like the add-on FX2 chips yeah, and stuff like that. Sure. But the GBA, in, in, in a lot of ways, was more powerful than Super NES. Um, it had a much faster processor. It could handle some rudimentary 3D without any kind of add-on mm-hmm. chips. Um, right. yeah. It had know, fewer it, buttons, which was sucky. Yeah, yeah Yo, that was a big true. mistake. Especially yeah. for ports and stuff, it was awkward. Yeah, that was awkward. You're absolutely right. I forgot um, that it only had two buttons. I believe it had better sprite handling capabilities. You know, you didn't. You you would see stuff on the screen, lots of stuff on the screen, and it wouldn't slow down like those first gen Super NES games would. But I think, I think, like I think a, you know, in the end, like a, like a Gradius Three sort of thing. Right. If exactly. I were to try to yeah. sell it to my friends, I'd be like, "Yeah, it's like a Super Nintendo in your hands," which you know is yeah. it's a pretty it kind of was. It's I a mean, good yeah. approximation. It's just you know you're asking oh, yeah. about the technical level. So I want to no, ask if I want to ask on the you know on the more sort of like uh, I don't know ineffable sort of level. Like was Aesthetically. it aesthetically was it? But it did really. Do you know? Do you feel like it's as good as the Super Nintendo? You guys around the table well, and, and you actually call her as well. Do you feel like it's as good as the Super Nintendo? Do I feel like what is as good? The, well, the, 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 library, the hardware, or the software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The library. The, the oh. you know what I mean. The sort of the overall. Yeah. No. No, no most of the games were from the Super yeah. Nintendo, yeah. but worse. <laughs> That's why it felt um, so much like the Super NES. Yeah. Yoshi's yeah. Island with really bad Mode 7. I would say that, that would actually lead into my backup question really really well, but since I'm the last caller... And last no, ask your back. Go ahead. Go what the hell? We're feeling generous. You're, you're feeling generous? Well, hot dang. Um, I was going to uh, ask... It seems to me that, I mean, there are, you know, there's a wealth of good games on the GBA, but most of those good games are ports, essentially. Not most... I would say well, a moderate well, number, but not most. More than is comfortable, yeah. maybe. A lot of the good ones. <laughs> okay. More than is right. comfortable for a system. Okay. Well, and even and even those, like the Mario Advance series kind of like, you know, uh, moved it up to the next level. But I, I was just wondering, like, what were some of the truly original games for the GDA that really stand out in your guys' hmm. minds? Well, well we already we talked talk- about WarioWare and Rhythm Heaven. Yeah, WarioWare was okay. pretty tremendous. I, I, I do want to just, you know, it, it'd be a crime not to mention WarioWare Twisted on the podcast, which is also possibly my favorite Game Boy well, Did you play that on a, on a GBA player? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. I, I had Nets at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I should have tried, though. I never got around to oh, it. Oh, speaking of GBA player, I've, I've got to put a, a shout in here for Boktai, which mm. is best played on a GBA player with a black light. <laughs> Uh, with a black light shining right over the solar sensor because the solar sensor is sensitive to black light. So instead of having oh to go outside God. and deal with sunshine and <laughs> I, night. I bought Boktai and I took it outside and a great I sat game. out by the river and I tried to play it. And no, oh man, it was so it was so horrible. It was so terrible. I mean, I couldn't. I mean, just the experience of having to sit in the sun with a system that when you shone sunlight on it, you couldn't see what? shit. No, the, the, GB, the original GBA was designed with a reflective TFT uh. so that when you played in the, I mean, the game... Boktai, like the solar sensor, was really designed around the fact that if you wanted to play a game on GBA, you needed to be on mm-hmm. in sunlight. So they were like, let's force people to go outside and be in the sunlight. Right. And then oh, the GBA SP came out and it was like an anthem out of sunlight. So yeah, it was bad timing. But the, the spirit behind Boktai was really mm-hmm. good. But the game itself is is just fantastic. I love Boktai to, so much. The first one, the second one, or the third one? First one. To add a little third bit one's of, also really uh, good. Second one's a little... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To add a little bit of color to your question, caller, your your observation about all the ports, you know, at that point, it the the DS actually did a whole lot to change um, the way that people designed portable games because 
The Game Boy Advance, when it came out, it was pretty much assumed that portable systems were going to get as many ports and you know downgrades of yeah, old I mean, console games. Look at as Game possible. Gear. Right. Game yeah, Gear was nothing right. but Master look System at downgrades. Everything prior to that point, Game mm -hmm. Gear, you know, Turbo Express was just Turbo Graphics, but you know the, the Game Boy. The Game Boy, right? yeah. yeah. There I were mean, very few was, original like. GB games, actually, when you think it about was, that, are really meaningful. Mm -hmm. like, it was pretty much assumed fade. that your portable game system was going to play anything that they could port over from old systems and, and you know, sort yeah. of downgraded versions of, of those existing games. And Game Boy Advance never really, truly broke out of that mold. It was DS yeah. that did. And so we're actually yeah. very spoiled now. You know, we, we, we <laughs> yeah. expect portable games to be designed for the portable system. But at the time, it was still, the, it was the ghetto, right, as Sony famously uh, dubbed it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, yeah. portable gaming was still very much kind of uh, the this sort of sad little frontier, down. and that's that's yeah. why when I look back at, at, at Castlevania Circle of the Moon, even though it's such a mess of a game, like I can't be too harsh on it because at the time it was really it was pretty unsurpassed. Mm -hmm. I managed to be harsh on it at the time. Okay, well mm -hmm. you're just a jerk. Now yeah, well, you knew that. <laughs> well, you know, actually that, that, that brings to mind too. Just just really quick, and I make this point. I mean, I mean that's I mean among other reasons why the Atari Lynx didn't do well because it didn't have anything to go down to. Um, oh, so you mean there was nothing to, to source I mean, material to draw from? Yeah. And, you know, well, we, we played it in the fun, 90s, but... and that was time for <laughs> Yeah, it was the time yeah. There was a lot of time for There class. was time for clack. Because there was no internet. <laughs> I, th I think all of us in this room will uh, also recommend uh, Ninja 5 0 as, as yes. a oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah. wasn't a super yeah. original game. It was good because it was so derivative yeah. of Rolling Thunder and Shinobi, but <laughs> whatever. I wish I'd brought my giant little. I have like just like a plastic. That's the only thing that's fun about the GBA. It's like Matchbox cars. I have like a plastic bin full of all my GBA games and just. Look at them. <laughs> I used to keep them that way, but now I, I actually have them in their boxes on a shelf. I love the Fire Emblem games. Very nice. The Fire Emblem games were, you know, they were uh, they were in a lineage that, uh, you know, was was extant, and they weren't really original from that perspective. I mean, they were not ports, but we'd never got Fire Emblem in America before, so they were quite fresh and exciting. I, mm -hmm. I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of, of the Fire Emblem games. And as Frank Cifaldi will, of course, agree with me, Game Boy Advance games are getting to be worth some money now if you've got them mm -hmm. in the original box. Yep. That's yep. true. Uh, Super Mario Advance 3, uh, well, the Super Mario Brothers 3, whatever yeah. Advance that was, that's already worth quite a bit. I mean, that goes for a lot already. No kidding. I, I've noticed, anyway. Like yeah, 50 I, bucks. I remember trying yeah. to get that for my DS and, and being like, wow, I'm not paying that for Mario 3. I don't wow. know no, it was. But... No. I have two Barbers 3 on my NES. I mean, what do I need to get out of my GBA for? But maybe I'm totally wrong. Well, if you have the... because I have an e-reader. Yeah, if you have the e-reader and you have those cards, then you can expand Mario 3 to play levels you had never played before. And even though they weren't really necessarily great levels, like, oh, I can play Super Mario Brothers 1-1, but with Mario 3 graphics. That's amazing! But actually, that's not true. There were some levels that they designed specifically to take advantage of the frog suit or the hammer suit and things like that. Like, you know, these these elements that were really underutilized or maybe not underutilized, but were were precious and scarce in the original game. Got to got to expand on a little bit and explore a little bit with the e-reader games. And that was uh, that was one of those weird Nintendo technology initiatives that never really went anywhere. But the few things they did with it were actually pretty cool. Mm. Even at the time, to have Mario three uh, in the palm of your hand was was pretty damn cool. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up. But thanks for calling. It's been a pleasure right, chatting yeah. with you. Well, thank you. Have a good one, guys. You too. I do want to bring up one final sort of oh, right. for me uh, important memory of the GBA. <laughs> Go on. Uh, which is that. That is the first console that uh, I ever uh, had, like, homebrew and emulation on. Mm -hmm. My first sort of flashcard experience mm -hmm. was on the GBA. And I remember playing, like, uh, AGI games. I played, like, the first Leisure Suit Larry on an AGI interpreter. Oh, yeah. That, uh, huh. that Brian, I remember this. Yeah. Brian Provinciano. Brian, Brian Provinciano wrote that, and he's now working on a Retro City Rampage. Yeah, but, still working yeah. on Retro City Rampage. I, I mean, I remember when I, uh, yeah, when I first met him and yeah, I started helping out on, on, on Retro City, uh, you know, I told him, yeah, you know, my first encounter with you, you know, was, was playing uh, Leisure Suit Larry at a bar. <laughs> and, and, That's and, awesome, and being very proud of the fact that I just felt like such an experienced like hacker. I I used, <laughs> was playing Leisure Suit Larry in my hand, yeah. in a bar. I used that as well. I downloaded that. I had a Game Boy Advance flash cart, and I put that on there. Yep. And I think I got to a point where I couldn't play it anymore because the, just something that the emulator didn't do. Yep. It, yeah. You couldn't. I couldn't. I don't think you could beat any of the games. No. It didn't matter. I think I played Leisure like, Suit, I'm playing Larry, Leisure Suit Larry with a D pad. That was pretty damn cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs>
So, um, so Christian, why don't you share a, a fond anecdote? Christian, or yeah, Chris has talked about his uh, launch experience. Frank's talked about his hacking experience. How about yourself? What's well, your I, What's your favorite GBA memory? I, I'm trying to think. You know, like, actually, this is kind of funny. So I'll just quickly say, like, I got laid off from Gamers.com right before the uh, <laughs> before the system came out. That's fond. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. So, so I was, better I was, than losing your job. I was living with Shane Bettenhausen, and uh, John Riccardi had just just moved to Japan. So he like bought us launch GBAs and mailed them to us. So Aww. I was like, just it was like it was a really. I mean, I paid for it, but I mean, it was oh. like a really nice. I don't know. It was just a really nice gesture. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just you know, help help me out with yeah. that. And then um, so that was really neat. Uh, but oh, and I, think, I guess at the time you were kind of like automatically a freelancer, so it's like I have a leg up now. I have a GBA. <laughs> but what was really fun, actually, when, this is really weird. So I used uh, my parents. You know, I moved to California in two thousand, uh, and I always go home to visit my parents, and I don't have my crap. So portable games kind of always mm-hmm. become sort of the part of the fabric of my visits home. And uh, none of my really none of my old friends really live near my parents anymore either. So I have really fond memories of playing Mega Man Battle Network. And also Super Mario, Super Mario World is like one of my favorite top favorite games ever. So when they, even though I played the crap out of it, and I mean the crap out of it on the Super Nintendo, when they announced it for the uh, for the GBA, I was so excited that um, I knew I was going to be coming home for Christmas soon. Uh, it came out like in fall in Japan, but it wasn't coming out till later in America. So I'm like, I really need the Japanese version. And I need it before Christmas, but it was like going to be really impossible for me to get it from like an importer or whatever. So I actually went to the trouble to. Um, my parents were still living in New Jersey. I got John to buy it in Tokyo. I met John uh, with Anna Kipnis and Anthony Parisi at the mall in New Jersey, and we had a, a physical handoff wow. of Super Mario World uh, for GBA and dinner. And then I and then I drove like I drove like an hour to, or more to, to do that as well. <laughs> that's awesome. So that uh, that's that's kind of a and what um, did, was it a good Christmas? It was it saved Christmas. All right. I actually flew to Japan to get Super Mario World. Well, not really. It was kind of a byproduct of my going to Japan for the first time. But, but yeah, to me, the GBA, like, I, I associate it with the period of greatest upheavals in my life. Like, I lived in Texas for, like, 20 years and finally decided I have to get the hell out of here. And I decided that right at the time that the GBA launched in Japan. Uh, so I imported a system and a couple of games and was like, well, this will keep me occupied and entertained while I, you know, settle down in New York and, and find work and so on and so forth. And it ended up keeping me entertained while I bounced around looking for work for several months and finally decided, oh, well, no one here wants to hire me because I'm just some yokel from Texas that doesn't have any experience. So uh, I ended up, you know, landing in Michigan for a while and then eventually moving out here to work at 1UP. And um, like through all of that, the GBA is kind of the system that kept me going. Like through really good times and through some really, really bad times, I I, I remember, you know, uh, like, you know, the day after or the day of, uh, September 11th, 2001, uh, like to deal with all the, the things that were going on, like it was just kind of overwhelming. So I spent a lot of time playing uh, Klonoa Empire of Dreams because it was something kind of comforting that mm. I could go to and, and focus on. But also, uh, I had a really bad breakup and at the same time, Castlevania. Wait, Aria, on, on September the 11th? No, several years later. <laughs> Aria, Aria, literally it was, the same it was like the weekend that Aria of Sorrow came out. So... Uh, I just poured myself into Aria of Sorrow for a few days, and yeah, it's uh, that weird. kind of distracted me. This is sort of tangential, but yeah, when I had my last really bad breakup, I I replayed Mega Man Three. It just, it's it's I don't know. Video games are a good escape when you're yeah. dealing with really 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 shitty life stuff. But yeah, like the the GBA, I, I feel like I kind of dismiss it now because the DS has been such a great system and such a mm. just like. There's so much. I mean, I look at my DS collection, and I'm I'm not someone who collects a ton of games, but I just collect you know the games I want to play and to keep. And my DS collection is like two shelves. Well, I remember you know I think I think you're right, and I think that's the, the DS sort of you know really overshadowed the GBA because I really love the GBA. At well, the, the time. GBA had a really short lifespan. Yeah, I, I really, mean the, from from GBA launch to DS launch was like three years. That's sort of go back short. to what that one caller was saying is like you know is it a Super Nintendo in your hands or you know sort of that the discussion we had, and I remember thinking. You know, prior to its release, when it came out of Space World and everything, I'm like, oh my god, it's going to be Super Nintendo in your hands. It's going to be fucking awesome. And then sort of the reality was that it was good, but it wasn't that good. You know, it wasn't that good. Yeah. And then when the DS came out and it was kind of almost like a PS1 in your hands and it had all of the sort of like really creative, like, you know, like talking about Aria of Sorrow, you know, taking them long to get to that. Aria of Sorrow wasn't like as deep and detailed as Symphony of the Night and, and Dawn of Sorrow was. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's it kind of... 
I don't know. Yeah, it sort of the DS sort of did sort of overshadow the GBA, but I have a lot of At really good time, good memories. I have in a weird way. I think I have better memories of the GBA yeah. than the DS. And looking I mean, back for me, on the, the DS. DS has been work, and I've had a lot of great work time with it. But it has been, you know, like what I've done for work. Whereas GBA was, you know, an escape. It was it was something to turn to when I needed, you know, some escapism. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, at the same time, it was also when I got to one up, like no one wanted to write about portable games because who cares about portable games? So that was kind of sort of how I made my mark here. Hmm. I, you know, like I was the guy who poured himself into GBA coverage. And can, even can, though I was just like some jackass yeah. who didn't have any experience, they were like, yeah, you can write about that. Sure. And eventually I started that way. A lot of people started that way. Is is there still a way to start that way in, in this? I don't field? think so. Because I, there is either. Uh, I mean, once in GBA there's, there's, arrives, not, there's not like, you know, a, a, an overlooked beat that you can still mm -hmm. get paid for. Mm -hmm. you, I know, saw, you, you know, I guess you'd have to be like, games. yeah, but but do people pay for iPhone reviews? No, mm -hmm. no. I think that, I think <laughs> I think if, if the you know, answer to your question, I think if someone actually blew out with like really good iOS coverage then again I don't really pay attention to what's actually out there that much but yeah I, I tried really hard for us to have good iOS coverage but actually distilling that down mm -hmm. and finding the few good things that come out each week is just so hard and yeah. I I admire the hell out of Danny Cowan for continuing to he, he still does uh mm -hmm. yeah yep. he still does the finger gaming finger right? gaming yeah. right finger gaming that, that is like a years. that is a sister site to gum right. finger exactly. gaming mm -hmm. I and saw, yeah, like that's a that is an odious and onerous uh, charge, and I admire him for sticking ornery. with it. Ornery, ornery. Yeah. <laughs> Ray uh, Ray Barnholt just tweeted like I. I uh, I just put Samurai Warriors Chronicle into my 3DS oh, somewhere right, yeah. a freelancer's check just <laughs> fell over and died. Oh man! Well, on top of that, um, <laughs> that's 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 yeah. So okay, I have a quick question for the roundtable. Who here reviewed a Dynasty Warrior game as a freelancer? Raise your hands. I fortunately escaped. Oh, totally. That. Yeah, yeah, I did. No. Yeah, no, it's only fifty percent. Me and Caller. What was what was your, had, what was your first paid uh, freelancer careers though? First paid GBA reviews. Go. Uh, the first, the Game Boy Advance launch games. I well, covered them for jpop.com. Ah, oh, wow. I guess it yeah. depends on what you consider paid. Do you mean something that I covered just for 1UP while I had already been hired at 1UP or something yeah, that sure. I did as an assignment? Yeah. Um, the first Game Boy Advance game that you paid, that you, that you wrote about for money. Boktai, yeah. actually. Boktai. I, wrote a, I wrote a series about the experience of playing Boktai. Nice. And did a little illustrated series for a week about like how hard it was to actually find sunlight in San Francisco and play the game. <laughs> Christian, I remember that. I read that. I, I, like you said, I was kind of a freelance auto freelancer when I yeah. got my GBA. I did a lot of weird stuff that year, so I guarantee that I probably wrote about GBA. I was trying to think about like you know something that stands out in my mind. I got I got hired by GameSpy in 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 November 2002, which was sort of uh -huh. the, the the sort of the you know that was the heyday of yeah, the that GBA was, uh, really when Metroid Fusion came out. So from like November of 2002 till like March of 2004, I worked for GameSpy, and I just remember review the first first. It's kind of embarrassing. The first GBA game I reviewed for GameSpy like the first week was uh, Super Monkey Ball. <laughs> that, that 3D Super Monkey Ball. Forgot about that. I had really, yeah, I know. Uh, I had really uh, big memories of oddly. I wrote the really, really. If you want to read something crazy by me, and you really, if you like me, and you don't want to like me, or something, uh, <laughs> read this. I wrote this incredibly self-indulgent review of Fantasy Star Collection for uh, for GBA because I knew, like you said, like what, was it as long and self-indulgent as the uh, Eric Jean Wah one on Insert Credit? Uh, probably not. I mean, that sounds pretty. That sounds pretty hard to yeah. top. Uh, but if uh, you know, I um, I, uh, I remember because you know we were saying Parish about like no one was really paying attention to the corner of the world. I knew I could get away with doing whatever I mm -hmm. wanted. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a really long self indulgent review of Fantasy Star Collection for GBA on GameSpy. I think the most self indulgent thing. I've <laughs> but ever written. but the guy from uh, uh what was Digital Eclipse. Right. I got an email discussion. The guy from Digital Clips got mad at me for my review, and I had a <laughs> no, kind of a back and forth with him for a while. I mean, he had a fair point. Hey, I've warned you guys. Sonia! Oh, it's Sonia from, from Square Enix. You have got to hurry the hell up. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Crap, it's over. Um, my, my first... <laughs> I, guess, for, I guess Square Enix is, is putting the kibosh on this podcast. I guess so. so. My Don't say it My like first that. was Nintendo Official <laughs> Magazine UK uh, hired me after I wrote a weird uh, sort of gonzo thing for Instant Credit, and the first thing they assigned for me was Max Payne on the GBA. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I probably turned that down and they gave it to you. Oh, because you were working there at the I time. I was working yep. there at the time. Yep. That was good and, times. Uh, and uh, that that cartridge was two-thirds uh, recorded dialogue and <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, the, that much.
gotcha. Yeah. The third most self-indulgent thing I've ever written, aside from the 20,000 Etrian Odyssey review slash fanfic and uh, 10,000-word Super Metroid article that I wrote last year, two years ago, was uh, this piece on WarioWare that I wrote just for my own benefit, which was like uh, about me writing a review of WarioWare because the nice. game is about creating games. Oh, so. DIY? Yeah. Nah. No, no, no. The first, the first WarioWare game. Like the plot is Wario creates yeah, a video yeah, game, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he creates a game that's about v- video games. Yeah. So it's all very recursive. Uh, yeah, you know, I understand. And I, 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 a lot of uh, comparisons to the movie adaptation came in <laughs> because that's also very much of that kind of that ill. And around the same time. Yeah, it, it was all about the same time, and it was all fresh in my mind. So all right. Well, funny. all the pieces are yes. here to uh, go reinvent video game journalism again. We'll call it new new games journalism. Right. Excellent. Let's start over with the 3DS. Or all right. Something. Let's well, go. Let's how about Nintendo starts over with the 3DS? Okay. All right. Ooh. Let's go do it. Burn. Nice. All right. Thanks for listening. The end.